Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode today. We're so glad that you're with us. And in a couple days, we're celebrating Christmas. Oh, it's so exciting in December. And I love celebrating Christmas. I, I love Christmas. I love that it's Jesus' birthday. And I know it may be difficult for you at this moment, but I want you to make Jesus the reason for the season of your celebrating it and look to him and look what you can do for others, even though you may not be with your husband or wife at this very time. But miracles can happen at Christmas time, and we are praying for that, that many miracles and surprises from the Lord can still happen. And I pray that you will pray for everybody around the world to have breakthroughs in their uh, difficulties with their marriages. Amen. Well, we launched a new website a couple of weeks ago, and hopefully you have had time to go over and check it out, um, look around the website, and to look in the bookstore that's also new. And I hope that you've enjoyed it. And I know that we talked on the last podcast a little bit about um the new features, one is that we have materials specifically for people who are praying and standing for marriage restoration. We have resources for people who are in a restored marriage, and we now have resources also for people who are happily married, but they're looking for just some sort of biblical guidance to help them with their marriage and help strengthen their marriage. And so we're excited that instead of hiding behind Rejoice Marriage Ministries or the resources we have, if you're a person standing for your marriage, you can share it with other people because we want to help catch people before the crisis. We want people who are in a marriage that may be struggling a little bit to find the help and the hope through Jesus Christ before they get to the point of separation or divorce. And as a person listening to this podcast and a person that may be familiar with Rejoice Marriage Ministries, you can help spread that message. And I know recently we've had some friends that went through a struggle in their marriage and it looked like things were bad and they got hope through Jesus and they're doing great today. And we want that to be the case for all of the people we know and our relatives and our friends and family and our coworkers. We want to help see divorce eradicated. We have to understand that the enemy, the devil, Satan, is out to kill, steal, and destroy our marriages. God created the covenant and he meant it for good, for it to last forever, but the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We want you to be able to know that you don't have to hide your head. If you're having marriage problems, you can share it with other people. Or if you see signs of even another couple that look like they're, you know, not having difficulties, you can suggest our website, and give hope to somebody that may be having the wrong thought process. Well, we're excited about that, and I hope if you haven't checked it out that you will go over and look at the new things. And then in the upper right-hand corner, there's a place that says Contact Rejoice, and we would love for you to contact us. Um, when you reach out to us directly, it goes to a team of people, and we get to see what your um, 
specific prayer request is, and it just gives us a way to interact more directly with you. So um, hop over to the website and let us know what you think. I also wanted to let you know, um, we announced on the last podcast that the Bible reading calendars came out. And as of the time we're recording this, they're still available. Um, They are going to be on sale for our podcast listeners. So you can save 15% off if you use the code podcast when you check out. But it's a great way to read through the Bible in a year. And it's something that um, mom has used every year. Loves it. I love the Bible reading calendar. Yeah. And I want you to know that this is one of my priorities in my life and my spiritual walk with the Lord. And I want you to have it to be that way. You may not want to read it as excessive as it suggests. You may want just to read, but I want you to start marking and knowing what you're doing and reading in the and the commitment that you can start to make to putting the Lord first and reading his word. When you read the word 15 minutes a day, even and you record what the chapters you've read or the Psalms or the Proverbs, you will have a heart transformation more and more. And God will speak to you through the word like never before. And that's what I want for you to desire and hunger and thirst for the word of God. It will change your life and it will change others. And the neat thing about the Bible reading calendar is it doesn't just take you from the Bible from the beginning to the end straight through, but it takes you through a passage in the Old Testament, the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs each day. So it kind of splits it up for you. So check that out and use the code podcast if you want to save 15% on that. And today we have our last um, podcast of the year, and it's a special one. On our last episode, we shared our top teaching podcast of the year, which is how to reap a harvest in your spiritual life. And that's a great one. If you have not listened to it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. But today we're going to share our top testimony podcast of the year. And um, you guys seem to like the testimony podcast. We we know that those are received very well, and they were all very popular. But we looked at the listens for each episode, and this one came ahead by just a little bit. But it's the testimony of Sean and Adrian. And they had a situation that seemed impossible. And we will let them share their story with you. But I know that this is going to encourage you. And if you've already listened to this episode, I want to encourage you to listen to it again, because I know so many people have said that they go back and bookmark episodes and listen to them over and over, and each time they get something new out of it. So um, listen to this podcast, and I hope that it encourages you to um, just strengthen your faith as you're walking through your marriage journey. I guarantee it as you will be blessed because the Lord will speak to you in so many different ways after you listen to something more than once. Before we let you listen to Sean and Adrian's testimony, I just want to remind you that we are approaching the end of year, and this is a big month for us. Um, Most of our budget for the year comes through the giving that happens this month. And so if you have not partnered with us and made a donation, you still have time to get that in. It needs to be postmarked by the 31st of December if you're mailing it, or you can go right on our website at rejoiceministries.org and you can give online. Well, enjoy this testimony. I hope it's a blessing. 
Hi, it's Lori. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We love when we get to share testimonies of couples who are walking through restoration. And if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, or even if you read our daily Charlene Cares devotionals, you know that we talk about constantly that there's not a finish line to restoration. It is an ongoing process. My mom, Charlene, always said, once a stander, always a stander, meaning that you're always going to be praying and fighting for your marriage, even after restoration. Well, today you're going to hear an interview that we did with Sean and Adrian. This couple has walked through hardship. Their marriage was destroyed. They were divorced. And now they're standing on the other side, rejoicing at what the Lord has done in healing and restoring their entire family. I hope their testimony encourages you today, and I hope that it leaves you expectant of what God can do in your own marriage. Sean and Adrian, we're excited that you're joining us today. We're looking forward to um, hearing more of your story. And Adrian, not only your stand, but Sean, also what God has done in your life um, as a prodigal and now as a, a returned prodigal who is um, restored. And we're excited mostly to hear about not only the journey, but also your remarriage ceremony that happened not that long ago. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Let's talk about um, early marriage. And when you all first got married, tell us a little bit about what life was like. Were you both believers? Um, What was your family situation like? Meaning, did your parents have solid marriages or did you come from divorced homes? And when you entered marriage, you know, what was your thought on how you would handle conflict? So for me, um, the way I grew up, I grew up with um, in the church. I was born and raised. My grandparents were missionaries. They were um, like my grandfather was the first um, minister of music. He wrote some of the hymns in the red hymn books. Um, so he was well known in Los Angeles um, for ministry of music. So I grew up under that umbrella. And so I knew who God was early on. But as far as forming my relationship for myself, it started in my teen years. And so we, we branched out on our own, went to a Christian church, uh, me and my sister. And um that's where I got my foundation of who Christ really is to me personally and realized that I had a gift for prayer and different things. And so I was able to grow in that. But then my parents who were married for, I think, 24 years decided to divorce my last year of high school. And so that kind of brought a fall on me um, where I didn't understand things. And it just, I think it put a wrench in who I was with God because I didn't get the understanding of why that was happening. And it just caused chaos, you know, when division happens in a home. So, um, however, I went on to go to college, um, ended up with someone I shouldn't have been with, (laughs) um, got pregnant, but then I started to regain and come back to God and just began praying, God, there's got to be more for me. And I had this baby and I started saying, but I want I want marriage. I want a husband. I want things in my life. So if this person who was in my life isn't supposed to be in my life, please remove them. And so shortly after I met Sean. And so I had prayed, God, it gave me a vision of what he looked like. Actually, just from the back, I saw us married going uh, before God in a church where my, where I grew up in LA. And um, I just saw a vision. And so shortly after that vision, I met Sean, we happened to meet at Burger King. (laughs) 
saw each other through the window. And he said, come around. So came around and we began to talk and exchange numbers. And um, long story short, we uh, knew because I had already prayed who I wanted my husband to be and what I wanted in my husband. And God began to show that vision back to me that he's the one. And so within nine months time, we were married. And so that was 24 years ago, um, July 5th was our anniversary date. And so after we enjoyed marriage, but we didn't really understand everything we were getting into. Um, We had four kids and um, things were going good. We were raising our children, raised them in church. Um, His father actually ended up branching out and um, he's a pastor of a church. So we became in their ministry. Sean became a assistant pastor to his uh, dad. And, but then there became where the rough patches started for the marriage. I think dealing with where we were supposed to go with ministry. So I'll let Mm -hmm. you go ahead. Okay, so for me, uh, our family dynamic, um, especially on my father's side, just about everyone's in some form or fashion in ministry, period. Um, You're a pastor, a musician, an elder, a deacon, maybe a bishop, whatever, a singer-songwriter, or then some of us do all of it, you know. Uh, So I was really born born into that, and that's what I've known. And, um, you know, prior... Which is such a blessing, Sean, because many of our people were not raised in a Christian background mm-hmm. and it makes such a difference for them yeah. and it's such a different lifestyle. Yeah. And so, um, so we're blessed. <laughs> truly. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, as a, as they call them, a PK, you know, preachers, you know, children, preachers, kids, or coming from a uh, religious and or Christian family homes, sometimes, you know, there are some of us that tend to kind of veer to the left a little bit. And, um, you know, as I was going to my late teens, um, still involved in church, you know, in ministry to a point, but going into my young adult years, you know, you know, I ended up, you know, as my wife stated, I ended up having a child and uh, I wasn't prepared. Um, other, unlike her, I really wasn't prepared to be a father and, um, but I had to grow into it. And so, you know, I had a mother who taught me everything about being a single father. And even though my son had his mother, you know, she left and, um, we've been the caretakers since. So needless to say, before I met my wife, that was myself and my son, we were living on our own. I had my own place. And, you know, you just get to a point, I believe every mature adult, once you become to the, the, the tone of maturity, begins to realize that, you know, um, you get tired of coming home, you know, cooking for yourself. You get tired of home, enjoying movies by yourself and eating by yourself and stuff like that. So I begin, just begin, ask God, I said, you know, I'm tired of, you know, when I say I'm home, nobody responds when I walk through the door. And it's just myself and my son. So I just began asking him to, you know, send me someone. So on a, as my wife stated on a particular Sunday, uh, myself and my son were on our way to church and I had a relative with me and we went to church. Um, It was still early. And so I said, well, let's go across the street. Let's go grab something to eat, which was at Burger King across the street from the church and see what happens, you know, let's go grab something. So as we're sitting here, you know, I see this nice young lady uh, with a friend, 
you know, driving and come by and, and I'm like, okay. And then it came by again and it got to the point to where my cousin actually waved them both in. I didn't, you know, <laughs> so he, he, he waved them both in and uh, uh, we both decided that we we're going to go out and talk to these young ladies. And sure enough, the person I talked to is my wife. And uh, we met, uh, we spoke on the phone, had uh, plenty of conversations. It wasn't too long that she came down from the LA, the LA area to uh, visit. And uh, before she left, we decided that we wanted to be an item. And uh, since then we never left. And um, so she came with one, I came with one. So she had a, she brought a daughter, I brought a son. And then out of the marriage came two more children. So, um, you know, and then hence, you know, our family dynamic. And I'll let her continue. What were those early days like when you first got married and you each brought children? So you didn't necessarily have time to focus just on growing as a couple because you came with a ready-made family. So what were those early days like? Were you prepared to, to get together as one unit or was it difficult or how did that go? Well, for us, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult for us as far as really trying to work together to make sure, you know, the needs were met even before the other two children came along. But what was difficult for us was at the time and our age group, no one, none of our age group really had children our age. So we were left alone quite a bit. You know, um, we weren't invited to a lot of different things because, you know, we just couldn't do some of the things that they were doing, you know, uh, with other couples or other singles um, because we had a family. And, you know, for a while, we kind of looked down upon to a point because, you know, uh, we were, you know, younger and had children. Now, younger, I mean, we were in our mid-20s, you know, uh, what have you, but still, um, it, w- it was difficult. It wasn't difficult for us, but it was difficult really trying to harness um, relationships um, like us because some of them didn't understand. And then yeah. once we had our other two children, um, you know, it was even harder at one point in time. But the beauty was now that our older children were older, we had extra hands to help out. So it was really a blessing. But um, when I look back now, um, at where our children are and our age, um, some of them look at us now going, oh man, I wish we would have had our children when we were younger. <laughs> so yeah, there is a struggle and there, there is a struggle in the very beginning, um, that we really had to prepare for. Um, you know, there's a lot of hiccups along the way that we really had to make things work. So for me, I hadn't lived out on my own. I was still under my mother's roof. So I moved from LA County to San Diego um, to be with my husband. And so that was more of a transition. And then the kids, we spent a lot of time during the dating period doing things with them. So they are actually the same age. So they're three months apart to the date. So they were like twins. Um, And they still kind of have that relationship and bond. So it was great as far as the fine, the family dynamic. And we were so young, we were still playful. And we had that both in common. This is how we want to raise our children. So I think having that commonality and knowing our background was in Christ. This is how we're going to raise our children. And so it was great that we came together the way we did. 
Um, I think the difficult moments were just the fact, yeah, not having that added support or other people in our peer group Mm -hmm. um, that understood. But at the same time, we did have God and we had this family and he and we enjoyed raising them, you know, and at that time. So and then they grow up. (laughs) Did you guys ever talk about separation or divorce before it became an issue? Did you ever say, you know, did you have an argument and say, um, oh, I'm going to leave or I shouldn't be here? Or did you say ahead of time, you know, divorce is not an option for us. So we have to work through it. Or was yeah. it just that we went through blindly, you know, being married and thinking that would never be an issue? Well, from day one, even though my parents had went through divorce, I didn't believe because my grandparents were married 75 years. And so the first year of marriage was hard. You know, because you're trying to get to know somebody at a different level. You don't really understand how the enemy does want to come in and tear things apart. So I called my grandmother and I was like, how did you do it? You know, and she said, honey, you stay no matter what. She was my first inspiration to say, no matter what, you don't divorce, you don't leave. And so from her leading and her guidance, I took that to heart. Like, no matter what we go through, I will never leave. And that's how she was with my grandfather and her mother. She said she went home crying to her mom and she sent her back home. She said, you you can stay here and cry for a little while, but you're going back home to your husband and you're going to make that work. So um, that's how I always viewed our marriage from day one. And so as we went through, I didn't play with the word divorce ever. We never talked about divorce. We always said to each other, no, that's not an option for us. Um, You leaving me leaving is not an option. So that's how I always thought. So I never expected anything less to happen in our marriage. And Sean, with your biblical experience with your father, grandfather, and all with the legacy you had, did you believe marriage was permanent at any time through your beginnings of marriage and throughout the young years? Yes, ma'am. And I think one of the things was for me, um, I never had examples in my life that quit that even that which even made it harder um, as much as I saw the the legacies of my parents who are still married, uh, my grandparents who died married, my great grandparents, um, even some of my aunts and uncles, I didn't have that example. So uh, I never played with, you know, I know some people get in arguments and, oh, well, I'm just going to leave out. That was never my type of vocabulary or anything like that. So from the get go, I never got into marriage to, t- to take it on a test drive to see how it's going to work out. Then, you know, if the test drive, it doesn't work so good, then I'll just jump out and hop in a new model. That was never uh, any intention or a thought in my head. Um during that time at all. Yeah. So it it was weird. You shared that it was like in 2015, things started to fall apart. And what was happening then that, that you were seeing the marriage change? Sure. Um, We have been called out of our church to ministry and Sean was to start ministry. Well, as a family together, but he was called to pastor. And so I think he had a hard time, um, because the support wasn't there that he expected for either one of us. And so we're like, how do we do this? You know? And I think he got discouraged and I began to see that discouragement and we were um, taking our daughter to a college tour and um, he had got so frustrated with me and it wasn't like him. It was like a snapping. And I was like, something's not right. 
at that point, and that was 2015, and I felt it in my spirit, I said, something's not right, something's got to give, something's got to change, so I began to pray um, and seek God, and in my prayer and fasting and seeking time, it was around September by that time, um, God was like, surrender it, and I surrendered it all, and I remember that moment, and then in that moment, um, in me surrendering, it brought me back to, okay, God, can you repair whatever it is going on in our marriage. It needs to be fixed. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And um, because we were talking, it wasn't like we talked about divorce or anything. It was just, I felt something I knew wasn't right. It felt different than times before. By this time, we're married 18 years. Um, So at that moment, when I surrendered, he, that next day or so, he ended up in a situation with kind of a car accident. He um, blanked out on the freeway. And on his way to work, like two in the morning, and he ended up on the side of the road. And so, you know, nothing happened to him. He wasn't hurt. God just had him. But in that situation and caring from him for him, because they didn't know what was wrong with him. So I cared for him from like September to December of 2015. Um, God was speaking to me how to care for my husband, how to love him more, how to do things um, for him. But still, and I'm thinking, and God told me I'm trying to get his attention as well because he was so discouraged in ministry. And so I was like, all I can do is try to love him and nurture him and bring him back to health. And then he'll be able to have that conversation with God. But lo and behold, come January 2016, I really felt he just kind of removed himself um, from me, and even though we're still in the house. And by February 2016, he said, I think I'm going to leave. And I'm like, no, don't play. We don't play like that. And so by March, he was gone. Wow. What was going on with you then, Sean, during that time? Wow. If I reverse it just a little bit, um, we left our former ministry in 2012. Um, That was the end. So in 2013, we celebrated um, with kind of our, I want to say our covering pastor. And, and again, there were some things that had gone on um, earlier in our life. Uh, one of the things was, um, you know, take a step even further back, you know, remember the year of the housing crunch, uh, that demise of 2007, 8, 9. You know, um, you know there's some things that have gone on there um, that I was very despondent about. And, um, you know, we, we lost our first house and then later on, even our second house, you know, our investment and then end up being renters. And I blamed my wife for some of those things. I I really did, you know, um, for some of our, for some of the losses. And honestly, it hurt me to my core and I never got over it. So that was one of the things. And then when we left, you know, our ministry, and then we waited until I believe it was, you know, middle of the year of 13 or so to start you know, we started in-home our Bible studies to uh, start, you know, our ministry. And um, I felt that that not only was I not getting external support, but more importantly, I felt that the internal support um, was lacking as well. And I, I thought at the time that if any of the uh, help that I would need, if anything, it should be internally, you know, with my wife who was right next to me. And, um, and I was holding her accountable in, in, the, in that aspect personally. You know, I, would, I kind of talked to her, um, but honestly, that kind of hurt me to my 
core, you know, as a man that thinking to myself that I have that support. Mm-hmm. And then um, later on, you know, there, there's just some, you know, sometimes, you know, there's some things that you go through life and you see the little things, you know, you know, as they say, you know, if you start looking for problems, you're going to find them. And um, I was always finding these little problems, not, you know, but it was, what happened is it just began to layer on top of layer on top of layer on top of. And as she stated in uh, 2015, when uh, I was hospitalized, I was hospitalized for about a week or so. And then um, I was out of work for close to three, four months. So that originally started in August of being out of work um, because of the, the incident that had happened, you know, and, and she was caring for me. Um, and during that time, I really, on top of all the, the pain I was feeling, the hurt, feeling neglected, and some of the other different things, in that moment of um, her kind of caring for me, in my mind, not necessarily saying hers, but in my mind, I don't think that she was really giving me all of her in, in that in that caring process. And um, and it got to the point to where even after you know I was finally cleared to go back to work, there's some things that were going on at work too as well, uh, manipulation, uh, monopolize, and there's a bunch of different things. And uh, it got to the point to where you know there's some things that you know straw that breaks the camel's back, if you want to call it that. And um, I came home one day, we're having a conversation, we're talking about something, and I said, I told her, I, I think it's time for me to leave. And she was like, no, don't be playing, you know, don't say that, you know, whatever. And I said, you know, that's something I've never played with it ever. But I think it's time for me to leave. Isn't it and- funny how the enemy just plays with our minds like going back years to what happened with, with your housing and things like that. Suddenly when you're in this still quiet place of recovery, that the enemy is just like, Oh, remember this failure. And you remember that and you remember this. And mm-hmm. it's so, um, I mean, not surprising because the enemy has no new tricks, but right. we can fall for it so easily And especially when you're in times of already feeling beat down because you're feeling like I'm going through this new ministry opportunity and I'm not feeling the support. And now I've got this health issue. And then the person who's trying to care for you suddenly becomes the enemy. And Mm -hmm. it's just um, so, you know, such a good reason as to why we need to stay alert. Like the scripture says, because the the enemy prowls around Mm -hmm. just trying to twist the things that are in our mind. So, um, yeah, it's not surprising. And especially because you had a call on your life, you know, he, exactly. he did not want you to pursue ministry and was going to do what he could do to stop you. So you decide to leave and shock your wife with that announcement. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it was a, I don't think even that time it was a long discussion because I, she was like, I don't understand. You know, I, I just said, I just think it's time. And really to be uh, completely transparent, which we all should. Um, I literally checked out. My body was there. I was still doing, you know, um, prov- I was still, you know, being a provider, still making sure, you know, helping out with groceries, still making sure bills are paid, still making sure, you know, things with the children being met. But emotionally with my wife, 
physically with my wife, even though my body was there, I had pretty much in my mind, I had already moved on and pretty much checked out. And um, the next time is probably about a, a couple weeks later, I told her when I'm getting the truck and when I'm going to be packing my things to go. And, um, and on that day, she wanted to make sure that um, she wasn't around. And, uh, but what I did was um, when I finally made the announcement to my wife that I was thinking about leaving and I knew that it was going to happen, I sat down with my two children at home, which my younger two, and I sat down, had a conversation with them and then to talk to them. And I wanted to make sure that I reassured them that it was nothing that like she did to me, as if to say, wasn't like we had a combative conversation or she cursed me out or there's physical altercation or anything like that. This, this is not something that your mother wants. This is something that I feel I need to do because I'm not in the right space. I'm not in the right format and, and you know, whatever. Um, but I want to make sure that they didn't look upon their mom as, you know, as a negative type right. thing. Like it's, you're the one that chased it's me. Excellent. And I want to make sure that that was, that was completely clear. So, um, so yeah, sure enough, I ended up, you know, moving out. I already had my own place lined up and it wasn't too long after that. I was, you know, buying furniture and trying to furnish a place. What was going through your mind when he's doing this, when he's packing up, moving out, getting a truck? you know, starting this new life. Yeah. So he told me ahead of time. So what I did, I was at work that day um, and I didn't come home. I went to a friend that um, knew probably a week before what was going on. And I went to her house and we, I just cried and prayed. And she was kind of worse off than me because she was so heartbroken because she's like, you're my brother, my sister. I looked up to you. I looked up to your marriage. I wanted to be that someday. And um, she was just devastated too. And I was like, well, I can't stay in this space with you. <laughs> so I knew probably about 10 p.m. I got home that night and you could feel the presence gone. And I was just broken. I was just heartbroken. And the kids weren't there and he wasn't there. It was just dark. It was empty. He had a whole like office empty, his side of the closet empty, you know? So I kind of stayed in the closet at that point. Cause we had like a walk-in closet that I used as a prayer closet. And I just laid there in fetal position and began to sob and weep and cry out to God. And in that moment, God spoke to me. He said, first Corinthians 13, one through 13. And I grabbed my phone and looked on my Bible and just began to recite the love of God. You know, he said, I need you to be in this until I release you from that. So um, at that moment, I just began to pray that over me. I prayed the scriptures over me, over my husband, over my children. And in that moment, he said, I go, God, I don't want to end up like my mom, where unfortunately, when she divorced my dad, there's bitterness, there's anger, things that still haven't recovered. And we're 20 years down the line. And you're still not talking to my dad or things. I did not want that. I said, so help me. What do, what do I need to do not to have that? And he spoke. He said, I'm going to restore your marriage. You just need to stay with me. But I didn't know what that looked like. And so after three months of just really praying and worshiping like every day in my closet, I had a relationship I didn't know I had with Christ. 
And so um, that led to me um, just having that relationship with God and him leading me and actually me hearing from him a different way. Cause I used to rely on visions and dreams and God would give me and I go, Oh, okay. I know what to do. And he spoke to me. He said, no longer will I give you visions and dreams. It's going to be in my word. So everything you need to know to do, you're going to be in my word and you're going to rely on my word. And that's what I did. And so then after though he knows I'm also a researcher I like to research a lot of stuff I'm very analytical in nature and so I'm like I need support because I wasn't at the same time willing to tell a lot of people I think uh just my um, one friend then another friend and then a cousin of mine knew and so um I was like but I need support because they're still they're not going through this right and that's when I uh, was researching and I found Rejoice Marriage Ministries Praise the Lord. Let me read a couple verses from 1 Corinthians 13 because it is such a good passage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in verse one, I'll start. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And that verse alone, yeah. you're you're being asked to love somebody who has rejected mm-hmm. you yes. and has said, I'm done with you but it's unnatural. You know, that's why so many people have struggles watching other people stand for their marriage because they say that person walked away from you. Why would you want them back? Right. But, um, so verse one is huge. And, um, then verse four jumping down, which everybody should know, but it starts love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And that's awesome. Those scriptures are the fact that God spoke to you so clearly with those powerful scriptures early on. Um, Mm -hmm. Did you waver and think at certain points, I can't do this and I can't stand for restoration, the rejections too much, or were you steadfast through the journey? I did in my mind, I had doubts, you know, it's like, God, is this really going to happen? But he would always reassure me with scripture and verses that yes. And even in Malachi two, where he talks about how don't leave, who, who are you to leave your wife, you know, and he's like, go back and get your wife. So things like that, God would just show me he's in my, in his word. He's like, no, I I'm telling you to do these things. He's like, it is real, you know, and through the word became life. And that's what my cousin told me who went, was going through a situation similar. And she's like, those words will jump off the page and you will begin to speak them. You will begin to live them. They will become life to you. And as I just grabbed onto God so tight, I was willing to hear whatever he had to say. And if I had any doubts, I'm back in my prayer closet. I'm back reading, okay, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13 to the point I'm reciting it. I know it. And it was like, okay. So I stayed steadfast as I could you know, with the doubts. And then he would trump those doubts with his word, with his truth. Your testimony sounds so similar to mine because that's mm-hmm. what the Lord did to me. He made me to go into the word and, and the love chapter of first Corinthians 13 was huge in my life because I had so much anger and bitterness toward yes. Bob of what he was doing. And he knew right from wrong. He had a call on his life and right. So much, which like Sean, that our lives parallel, 
but mm-hmm. you know they they are speaking just out of the opposite of what they believe mm-hmm. right and double-minded double-minded, double-minded. Right? Stable. but the word it came alive to me in such a way that it seemed to literally leap off the page and in the church i was attending I, they didn't even talk or think like this. And, yeah. but I knew that my walk was so different. God had spoken to me so loudly mm-hmm. that many of the friends in my church that were supporters, then they started reading the word and started, mm-hmm. and we became, um, you, what you have happened to you, you can yeah. share it with others and it happened mm-hmm. to them also. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. and Bob saw such a change in me that he knew that he was really um, seeing God move in my life. And he feared that in a way, because he knew God is greater than anybody. Yeah. Sean, did you see a change in her life? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's interesting because even when um, I told her that I was leaving, I was going to leave, you know, she began telling me, do you understand what God's doing with me right now? You know, and, but in that moment, because of where my mind was, I was thinking to myself that I thought this is just something to keep me here per se. I mean, that's kind of how I took it, but through the dispensation of time, I see, you know, she's talking to me, you know, I mean, literally she's talking to me. This is what God told me to do. This is what God is telling me that you need to do. And this is, I'm like going, you know, that's amazing. You're having all these conversations because I'm asking God for some things for myself right now. And um, I need him to speak to me, not you speak to me, but I need to hear from him, you know, because I didn't, I didn't want it to be your word. I want it to be his, you know, and the way he had to reach me, he had to reach me through my children. Because for me, I I always said, if I were to go at any given time in my life, if anything I could say that I would never have failed at and that I was really successful in as being a good father. But then I find out through the course of time that I, I even felt I failed at that based upon how they were feeling. But how they were feeling, I thought, was coming from her, only to find out when they really told me that it was not their mother, it was really how they felt about me and the decision I made that really hurt me to my core. So that's how the Lord got a really got a hold of me was through my children and begin and begin uh, to tell, start telling me what to do, what steps to take. The, the, the children feel rejection from their fathers Mm -hmm. or mothers that they did not choose to stay at the home to work on their marriage because of them. And my kids did the same thing. You know, for a while, they were glad to get rid of Bob in a way because the arguing stopped. But then they still knew that they were, we were, we were different than all their friends then because they were, we were separated and, and we couldn't afford the things we used to do and so forth. Mm-hmm. So they started realizing that separation and divorce is not good, you know. And uh, so you're right. And children are a blessing and God uses their words to come out to be nuggets of gold mm-hmm. to them. 
So well, how long were you separated or did you ever get divorced? Yes, we, we did get divorced. Um, I served her papers and what have you. We, we got divorced. And unlike your husband, I did turn around and get remarried. So mm-hmm. when the Lord really started dealing with me, thinking that, um, you know, because I was asking him, you know, dealing with, you know, uh, my wife and I, our, our relationship, how is that going to work with our children and me being a better father to them. Because for me, you know, I was always reaching out to them, always wanted, Hey, let's get together. Let's go to movies. Let's do this. Let's do that. So it seemed as though it was me doing a lot of the reaching, but I wasn't getting a lot of stuff back. So in my mind, I thought it was her trying to cause discord or dissension between, you know, myself and my children. uh, When in actuality, that wasn't the case. So, um, you know, after serving the papers and all that kind of stuff, later on, you know, I got remarried, what have you. And I'm still trying to, you know, be a father to my children. Uh, you know, I want to spend time with them, you know, do some different things. And it got to the point to where um, I no longer began praying about my situation here or my situation with my children. It became no longer a lateral. It became this relationship. I began to ask God about my relationship. So, and it was only then when I got rid of the middlemen, you know, my wife and, you know, the children that he began to speak. And he told me, you need to fix what you broke. When he divorced you and then remarried shortly after the divorce was final, did you feel like you maybe should give up standing for restoration at those points or Did you still have faith that God had spoken to you and you would still wait? Right. So by this time, like uh, Charlene said, you begin to form relationships where you're ministering to other people. So I had formed relationships and God started bringing women into my life that had relationship or marriage issues. And I began to pray for restoration for them. So pretty soon we had a prayer group um, (laughs) praying online and such. And so when I found out about that, I took that to them and we began to pray against that marriage happening. So the day of that, which would happen in 2017, um, I went out early that morning and it was the day of, and I was like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I was just bleeding hard. Like this isn't going to happen. God, you won't let it happen. And I ended up seeing a relative at the uh, gas station I was at that was going, was there for his ceremony. And, um, they just kind of looked at me and I was just like, this isn't going to happen. I don't care. I'm not going to get discouraged. So that night, my youngest son came home and he said, mom, it happened. He just laid on the bed with me and we just began to cry and pray. And I said, I guess it's over. And so I got angry and I said, okay, God, well, it's just you and me. I'm done praying for him. I'm done trying to work this out um, on his behalf. I said, so what do you have for me? And he goes, okay, well, I have Jonathan 10. And I was like, there's no book of Jonathan in the Bible. So um, he goes, he knows I'm a researcher again. So I go to work. He said, go look it up in the Bible app on the search. And so I put it in and I said, yeah, there's no book of Jonathan. And he said, just scroll down until you see chapter 10. So I scrolled down until I saw chapter 10. And he said, click on that. And so I clicked on Ezra 10. And it's titled Men Who Take Foreign Wives. Mm-hmm. And I just weeped. And he's like, you will continue to stand. Take my word exactly for what it is. And what had happened, the 
they were so grieved, Isra and the women and children, because these men took foreign wives who were already married and had children. And to make it right with God, they had to get a bill of divorce. That's what God told Ezra need to make it right. So they forged a team. They went out to these men, gave them bill of divorcements. Um, and that's what I stood on. He said, I will restore your marriage. I promise you. And I said, okay. And so I continued. So it was only a couple of days. I was kind of in that angry, bitter stage. And then I got the out pity, of the, the pity party, the pity stage, party. Right. right, right. And and then God did speak to me. He's like, you're not the victim. He said, continue to pray for your husband. He's not who you think he is right now because he's over there in the enemy's camp, you know, to me. And uh, he said, but he said, yeah, you can go out there and get better. You can. Mm-hmm. He said, but he said, do you want my best? And my best is Sean, because I have something for you guys to do in ministry together. Adrian, when God speaks, there is no doubt when God speaks, he has spoken. And that's what I say to everybody now that's listening. If Mm -hmm. you have never cried out to God to speak to me, give me direction, guide me. Do I do turn to the right, to the left? What do I buy? What I do not buy? Where do I go? Where do I live? We need to ask God everything and mm-hmm. ask for his direction yes. and he will speak to us. He will guide us in sure ways will. we cannot even begin to imagine. And it will change your life totally. And stop limiting God because it so does. often we think, well, he got married. Well, I got divorce yeah. papers. I got, you know, right? this is too big for God. And wrong. how, and it was so how wrong. small of us to think that, you know, that, yeah. that God cannot overcome that. Right. So Sean, he, you said a minute ago that you had started seeking the Lord. So you're remarried. Are you happy and, and ready to move on in this new life? Or is God speaking to you? You know, in, 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 in that situation, yeah, there is, there's challenges, you know, as with all things, you know, there's challenges, but the problem with me was, um, it wasn't a material thing. It wasn't a married thing at the time. I really wanted to um, have rela- real relationships with my children. I mean, like, like as if nothing ever happened. Um, and you know, let's just be honest. I mean, it's, it's what a lot of times we go through situations, make decisions, and then we think things don't change. You know, we think we should, we could be, uh, we can just go on. And um when you start praying about, you know, your vertical relationship and not this relationship to the left or to the right, when you start focusing on your vertical relationship with him, um, because I've been asking about a bunch of other different things. And I mean, I was getting nothing. It was like my prayers were going up, hit the ceiling and hit me back on the head. Um, but when I start asking him about my vertical relationship, my personal relationship with him, because there were certain things within me that I didn't like. I didn't like, this is not me. This is not who I am. This is not who you created me to be. It was only then that he spoke, but how he spoke it was, you need to fix what you broke. And at that point, it was as if he took the phone, said what he said, and then hung it up. I mean, literally, I mean, and I was like, what? So then I'm left to think, what was it that I broke? Because in, for me, if we really were to be you know, transparent and truthful, I started thinking over the course of my life of all the things I've ever broken, whether it's relationships, whether it's trust, whether it was uh, feelings, whether it was, you know, whatever those things are. And so I'm asking down there, thinking to myself, what was it that I wrote? 
So the next time he begins to speak, which is about a month or so later, I mean, literally while I'm still asking questions, he did, he says, you need to fix your relationship with your children. And I'm thinking to myself, I know that. I mean, that's what I've been trying to work on. I get, because I believe that, you know, God knows all of our hearts. He knows exactly those heartstrings to tug on, you know, to get our attention. And for me, it was, it was through my children. It wasn't necessarily through my wife, but it was really through my children because that was my focus. So he used my focus to get my attention. And let me um, interrupt you for one second and just make a comment. Adrian, if you heard Sean say um, that God had spoken to him, you need to fix what you broke. I would imagine that your response would have been great. I'm right here. Like, let's fix it. (laughs) Thinking that was the the flashing problem. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Sean's going back, you know, like into childhood and thinking, what what did I break? And right. it just shows the mind of a prodigal because they're, you know, the person standing for restorations over here, like with a flashing sign, here I am, let's, right. let's get back right. on course. It's like, and a prodigal is like, yeah, you know, <laughs> let's, let's go way back. So mm-hmm. I think that's phenomenal that, you know, understand the mind of a prodigal. It's different, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Totally True. different. You know, yeah. and so I'm going through that thing and I'm, and I'm like, you know, asking him, you know, so then um, after that, next thing he says to me is not only do you need to fix what you're broken, fix your relationship with your children, but what I, what you're in right now, I didn't ordain. What you broke is what I did ordain. And that's what you need to fix. And I was, and then again, hangs up the phone and drops the mic. And I'm like, oh my god okay so now i have to sit in this because now i'm in what we call a situation and i have children i know she was standing this is what she's kind of been telling me you know that you know because we we still would have you know conversations we would meet and see each other that type of deal and have these conversations and different things like that and she would and I just go, oh, man, here we go. Yeah. She was dropping those nuggets of gold. Yeah, you know. Yes. So I knew she. Still here. <laughs> yeah. So I knew what she was standing for. And, and, I, and I'm in, I'm like going, um, Lord. So then it hit me like a ton of bricks because then I'm trying. Then what he does to me, he rewinds the tape to the day I left, you know, my wife and my children. And he's and he begins to bring all the feelings that I really should have had then, he brings them to me at that moment of how um, I really should have felt or how I should think about things before I make, you know, rash decisions without really thinking about the whole matter. You know, the Bible talks about in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. And I wasn't, um, I didn't want any counsel. I, at the time, I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. I wasn't hearing it. Even she would say, maybe we should go to counsel. I was like, mm-hmm, I'm good. You know, because that's where my mind was. So as God begins to speak and he says that what you're in, I didn't ordain. But what you broke, I did ordain. I ordained what you left. And I'm like, um, so how is this going to happen? How is this going to work? You know, so I had to sit in this because I'm like, then God, you're going to have to open this door. Whatever this door is going to be, you're going to have to to do it. You had father and grandfather that were in ministry. Mm -hmm. Did they never come to you and talk about 
rights and wrongs and you're going on a detour road at all through this? You know, it's, it's interesting because um, when I talk to, you know, my parents, because uh, I can't, my, my grandfather for all your uh, grandmother and grandfather, they were deceased by this time. Oh. Um, so uh, I sat down and talked to my parents and, you know, the, dis- the, 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 the discussion w- didn't go that well. Um, you know, truthfully, um, but their thing to me was this, there is going to be a certain portion of time in your life. I'm not sure when, but they didn't tell me this, but this is what I find out later on. There's a certain portion of time that you're going to need us. And when you need us, we want to make sure that door remains open. So at the end of the day, you're grown and you need to make the decision that is right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but again, that discussion didn't go too well. Um, so now fast forward, I'm sitting in this situation and I'm really trying to figure out how is this going to work based upon the word you just gave me. Now, mind you, for a while, while I was waiting for the Lord to speak and I was being, I was frustrated I was dealing with a job situation. I was frustrated because I was asking God, you need to speak to me about me, you know, and really deal with me. And it's quiet. And I mean, it's quiet. I'm not getting anything. I didn't know that after some things have come to fruition, some things are done, that I didn't know that a certain particular person was told the very same words to tell me based upon what God told them to do. And, mm-hmm. and they cried when I finally told them that, you know, God really finally told me. He said, because I felt that I didn't do what God asked me to do. So while I was trying to trust God and trying to figure out, is this really right? The confirmed word had already happened, but was never delivered. But God spoke anyway. So the next thing God began to tell me, he said, you need to start packing because it's almost time for you. And I'm like, what? So, um, you know, I'm thinking over you know, a lot of things, and this is December 2019, um, and I'm thinking over a lot of things. I'm really trying to figure it out, and secretly, I would, truthfully, I would come home from work, and I would start packing different things and start packing. Did you yes. know that at the time that he was struggling with thinking I've made a mess, I need to fix this? Or did you still think that he was gone and it was over? No, we were having conversations. So it was funny. So after he did the, I call it the fake ceremony because God always showed me that, you know, our covenant was always honored. And so I always believed I was still married. I was like, that's a fake ceremony. We're married. So after that, I was like, um, say in October, 2017 to probably uh, about August, 2017, I 18. didn't, oh, 18. I didn't really communicate with him. I just went about, I was like, I'm done. God, yeah, you're going to handle it. And I had just my faith increased so that I didn't even concern myself. I would pray for him every day, but that was it. And then um, we had a relative pass away. And at that time, I was really, God had purposefully set us together because we had to take our son to college. And after we took him to college and got him settled, we met and we talked for a good three hours. And there I just 
spooled out everything God had shown me about restoration. I said, I haven't taken this ring off. I said, we are married. I don't care what you did. So I'm believing that you understand that this is what God is doing. And so with that, um, I want to say probably maybe a couple of months later, God said the doors of communication are open. And he actually began to call me. So we were beginning to have conversations and talk, but I always kept it about God and what God was going to do. And I, I look forward to you coming home. And he was like, you're crazy, you know. So and as the conversations got on and got deeper, we were able to really share our hearts. And he was able to say, I never stopped loving you. And things God would show me also, he would show me, this is where Sean is right now. Pray this, you know, so I kind of knew spiritually where he was without him saying, and I would send him text messages or a quick, you know, um, GIF or something to say, Hey, God loves you or scripture verse. And he goes, you don't even realize how that's touched me because in that moment, you didn't know I was feeling this way, but that word just covered that. And you had no clue. That's so so huge because you, people say they, they're not seeing evidence of what they're praying Mm -hmm. for. You were praying for something and you had no idea for that time span of the struggle he was doing and the work he was doing with God directly to say, okay, I need you to speak to me and help me. And you were praying that. And I think that's so important just to Mm -hmm. encourage people not to stop praying. You have no idea what's happening on the other side of those circumstances. And early on, God would tell me your prayers are covering your husband. So you continue to pray. Your prayers are covering him. Do not let up on your prayers for him. And that's what really kept me. The other thing, Adrian, is that I think we need to mention that Mm -hmm. we have to be obedient to what the Lord tells us to do while they're gone. The Lord would keep saying to me, send Bob a card. (laughs) And we didn't have Internet and all the technology that we had then. But we had, you know, cards and, and notes, <laughs> things like that. So um, I kept sending him cards. And he said they would arrive on the most unusual days that he yeah. would ever expect it. And it was what he needed. And they were, he was having trouble with the other woman. And that other woman is not, uh, it's not paradise with another person, especially when God's not in it. And I'm thinking they're planning a wedding. So I think it's gorgeous and everything is beautiful. Right. So I think we need to tell everybody that we got to believe what God has spoken to us and stand on the promises and continue to do what the Lord tells us to do, to keep loving them unconditionally. And God, uh, God will show you the answers that direct your steps. Because he's knocking down those walls that uh, you should not have be building up. Right. Right. And the enemy is tricky that he will show you things as if things are so great over there on the other side and you're believing it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you can never repair this. I know there's great life over there. And the whole time it wasn't. Yeah. The thing about it is um, people have to realize, you know, uh, as you know, there's a saying that talks about, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. Well, that's not necessarily true, you know, because the truth of the matter is if you water your grass, you fertilize it, you take care of it, you cut it, you mow it and all these different things. Because if you take care of your own grass, it'll be just as green. But a lot of times we become neglectful, you know, and we tend to hurt, harbor problems, you know, harbor thoughts. 
against the very one who's pretty much been there with you, you know, side by side throughout the whole, you know, throughout the whole time, you know, that goes for the, the, the husband and or the wife. Mm -hmm. And um, this was one of the things that, you know, um, it's a, it's a costly um, situation. It's a, it's a lesson that many of us um, have to learn. And, um, you know, I'm glad about the fact that I can now be used to speak to men to let them know that, you know, Mm -hmm. if, if you begin, if you stop burying everything under the rug, you know, because a lot of times when we don't, deal with some of the hurts of our past. We don't deal with, uh, um, you know, anger. We don't deal with anxiety. We don't deal with some of our previous problems. So sometimes we'll drag them into relationships, you know, into our first marriage. And um, we, you know, we'll go right in ministry. We'll go right to work and we'll just keep on operating as if there were never any problems. But then there are certain things that remind you of things that you never took care of, or should I say, never allowed God to take care of. And um, you end up in situations that are uh, not positive at all. So So what what happened when Sean finally uh, found a way to fix what he broke? (laughs) Okay, well, um, so this was very strange because um, the last word he finally told me as I was packing, you know, um, you know, the young lady at the time we were having a conversation, we were having, we had like a three-day conversation, literally, I mean, it was three days, and I was trying to explain what I've been told, and they don't get it, they just don't understand, because the truth of the matter is, it's, you know, if God told you this, why would he have you break up a relationship to fix a relationship? Okay. So, um, and in my mind, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was like, Lord, why, why? And he said, you know, I didn't ordain this one. You broke what I did ordain. And then when he finally said what he said, he said to me, it's time for you to leave now. I'm like, wait, like, like right now, right now. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you need to leave now. So I literally ordered a U-Haul. And everything I owned or I felt that I really needed to take, um, I took. Everything that I really didn't think I need needed at all, I left it. And um, so I was in the truck. And as I'm pulling out the driveway, um, that's when um, this whole ton of bricks of emotion, of everything from my past even to now, that the Lord just began to just, I mean, completely break me in a, in a humbling and submission. And I mean, literally what was going on externally, because when I left, there was a huge, there was a huge uh, storm, uh, thunder, lightning, showers, you name it, floods in different ways. And that was in the physical sense, but in my spiritual sense, it was the same thing that was going on on the inside because literally I was thundering and lightning and storming on the outside. I mean, literally, I was crying while I was driving. And uh, I ended up calling my parents. And I I told them, I said, this is what the Lord has told me to do. And this is what I'm doing. And, And But they're concerned because they could tell that the tone of my voice, they were saying, you're not safe behind the wheel. You're not this. You're not that. You need to pull over. And I said, you know, I have to drop off the truck and what have you once I get to that location, what have you. So I ended up 
after dropping off the truck, I ended up going to my parents and spending the night. Because for me, I knew that there was something I was missing. And that missing piece was I needed my father to pour into his son. So I went home and to spend time with my, uh, overnight to spend time with my father because I knew that when I got home, I'm going to have to pour into my children. And it's hard for you to pour into something when you're empty. You know, I felt mm-hmm. empty. I, f- I felt, you know, and again, that was that whole humility that you and I spoke about uh, over the phone the other night. I, 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 I was very, I was humbled. Um, I felt a little humiliated at one uh, point or another. Um, I knew I was loved, but I felt that I, I let down, you know, my, not just my family, but my immediate family, my, my children, my, my wife, my, you know, so I really need to spend time with my father and my father just poured into me just all that night. And I don't think we went to bed till like three or four in the morning. And I turned around, got back up seven. And then um, I came back to the location, um, unloaded the U-Haul. And then later on, um, the children came home. And I mean, honestly, um, for about a week or so, I was very silent and just observant. You know, I didn't come in, you know, picking up where I left off as if nothing changed. Um, because I know this is now, this is different. But I told her, I said, the first thing I want to do is I want to have a conversation with, my, with our children, you know, all four of them. And I said, and I want you in the room as, you know, without saying anything, but just I want you to hear what I have to say to them. And um, that's what I did. So I had the children and finally sat down, all of them, because, you know, they're all grown, but they're all living at home. And uh, I just began to tell them about their dad. You know, I began apologizing, you know, for how they felt, uh, apologizing for some of the uh, decisions that as a father I made. If I've let you, if I, you feel like that I've let you down, I'll, I want you to um, hear my heart. That was, that was not my intention. I didn't mean to let you down. I didn't mean to hurt you or feel like you're belittled or left aside or left alone. To understand your, your father has always loved you. And the decision that I made had nothing to do with you, even though I know it affected you. And then the first thing that I turned around and did right after that, I apologized even more so to my youngest son, because my youngest son was the one that was at home that decided to take on the reins of a position that he was not, never meant to occupy. He was not meant to occupy uh, the role of the man of the house to pick up where his dad left off because his dad didn't die. His dad didn't die in a car crash. His dad just decided to leave. And um, so he missed a lot of his, the the times when he should have really been enjoying himself as a young man, young adult, you know, in high school before graduating, going to college. He was the one that was laying beside my wife. He was the one that was crying with her and holding her and praying with her and all these different things, which should have been my role. But because I wasn't there, he occupied that role. So number one, I apologized to him, but then I also thanked him for not leaving, you know, because sometimes when children can walk away because it's too much, they can say, this is not my job. It's not my position. You know, it's not my area. And they walk away and they walk away bitter. They walk away hurt, whatever, because of the situation, but he stayed. And, um, and then next thing you know, COVID set in. And so um, here's all nine of us and grandchildren all at home. So for nine months, uh, we had nothing to do but restore our marriage via Bible class, via mm-hmm. our um, personal Bible class as a couple, 
We have uh, family study with our children and grandchildren. And then we also had a family meeting. So we had basically three meetings every week throughout COVID until uh, for basically nine months. And uh, God really, truly blessed and really uh, restored. Do you think in those those early months, Adrian, the um, forgiveness and work of forgiveness and work of healing started happening then? Because this is what you had been praying for. But reality is different when they're back in the house. And now you have to move forward in a new way because what we did before didn't work. You know, Sean said he emotionally checked out for a period of time. You know, it's, it's a different season, like Sean said. So did the work of forgiveness and moving forward, um, work, a a new heart in you for your husband and a new love for him? Yeah. So God started that from day one with me. And he said, it's not just about him. There's something I require of you. And so he began to transform my heart and transform me as a wife, as a mother, as just a child of God to who he was. And so I was able to restore myself back to Christ the way I should be. And so that love was already there. I had already had the forgiveness there. I had no anger. I had no, those are all the things I said in my prayer closet and said, God, make sure I'm not in this place. And so I was able to receive my husband. And so God started talking to me about him. And shortly after we kind of communicating back in October, 2019, God said, "Um, you're no, it was October, 2018. God said, you're going to move. So I need you to start packing because I need to move you. Because we're in a two-bedroom, three-bedroom apartment, just me and my children. I was like, why am I moving? So by April 2019, I was moved. And he said, okay. And I'm in a four-bedroom house. And I'm like, we only have one child now at the house. So (laughs) what am I here for? And he said, look at the name of your street. And I'm like, okay. And so I looked up the name of the street. And it stood for the place of restoration, the place of reconciliation. And he spoke to me, he said, this is where I will restore your family and your marriage. So I knew he was coming. So I began to prepare a home for him, even to the point where I began to buy undergarments and socks and fill the drawers. He had me do things in such a way I don't drink coffee. He does. So I got a coffee pot, you know, things of those to set my house in order. I was ready for your, I was getting for him. So I knew he was coming. And in that he began to send the kids back home one by one before he came home. And so I knew he was coming. So the day he called, it was Christmas break. I work for a university. So we're off work. So I'm shopping with a friend getting ready for Christmas. It was two days before Christmas. He calls, he says, I need help. Uh, I have two cars. Do you think the kids can help me? I'm coming home today. And I was like, it's the day. It's the day. So I rushed home. We called the kids. We got into action. The kids were on it. They're like, dad's coming home. We're there. So we got him home. I thought, okay, great. I set the tone. I have the house ready. And then he's like, I'm going to my parents' house. I was devastated. I'm like, no, you're supposed to be home. So I kind of got upset and I was like, God, I don't understand. And I just prayed and wrote in my journal. I got my journal out and just started writing. And then I just felt peace. And then that next afternoon, um, he came home and we were able to talk. And that's when the conversations began to start. So I was like, God, wow. And, and I was fine. I was okay. The forgiveness was already there. I had already embraced him before. And I think that was part of it too, where we got to understand that it may never look like we think it's going to look. Mm, right. 
And I had to let go of any ideas I ever had. And God's like, just trust me. And it didn't look like I thought it was going to look at all. And I'm just like, this is weird, you know, but God's like, no, this is how I'm doing things. This is how I'm orchestrating. So I need you to just be open and obedient. And that's all I had to be was obedient. We get so um, wanting our will. Like when he called Mm -hmm. you to say, oh, by the way, I'm going to pit stop at my parents for the night. I can understand your devastation thinking, no, no, this isn't, you know, you're supposed to come home. Yeah. But you didn't want him home that day because he had to go do that other step exactly. of healing with his dad. And right. we can mess things up in our timing, wanting, you know, you wanted the divorce not to happen. Right. And God said, no, it's, it's okay. I got, mm-hmm. it. and you wanted that marriage not to happen. And God right. said, no, it's fine. It's okay. And, and we have to trust. I think the other thing that's so important that you both are speaking is that we have to be in communication with the Lord and mm-hmm. we have to be in his word. And we can't mm-hmm. say, well, God's not speaking to me, but we've got the phone on the, on the hook. You know, we, right. now everybody has cell phones, but in the old days with us old people, mm-hmm. we had phones right. that you had to pick right. up off the receiver. And yes. you can't say that God's not speaking to you if you're not doing your part. Right. And so, you know, both of you have said repeatedly how God has showed you things and spoken to you, but you were in the word and you were in times of prayer with him. And I think that's so important. And it was very Um, important where I didn't have distractions because we know who we are as a person. If you know, you're not good on Facebook and you're going to see things, get off Facebook. I had no social media going through my whole journey. I didn't have to see the pictures. I didn't have to see the, you know, back and forth on Facebook and everything. People are like, where is she? She just fell off the face of the earth. No, I'm with my God. I'm hearing from him. He's the only person because the people who were in my life who needed to know were there. Those were my prayer warriors. Those were the people with me. And the people who may have started in the beginning didn't necessarily uh, get to the end with me. And God removed them, you know, because they began to say, speak against what the stand was. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm standing. You may think I'm dumb. You may think I'm stupid, but this is what God told me. I'm being obedient. And God didn't call them to stand. That's he right. called you to stand. Right. 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 So I'm not understanding why you're more hurt than me at this point. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm taught to love my husband, even though, and that was one thing that was made clear. Um, I loved him more going through the whole journey. My love for him grew more. So when he came home, all he got was a bucket of love. You know, it just keeps pouring out for him. He didn't feel like, oh, my God, I have to walk into this scary moment. He knew the love was in the home. Yeah. Yeah. And and as we talked about um, earlier, um, when we don't, you know, when things don't look like what we want it to be, you know, um, you know, it's amazing. I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this, but you know, sometimes we, we find ourselves some of the very things that um, for me, it was my children that were hurt, as she stated and alluded to, um, when I made the call um, that I needed help, um, you know, I had a car, I had a truck, and then, of course, the moving truck that I would be, be bringing. Um, when I made the call, the very ones that were hurt with my decisions were the very ones who came and picked up my daughter, came and picked up my car. My daughter and her boyfriend came and picked up my truck. And there was no arguments. There were no delays. They stopped whatever it was that they were doing. 
and they circled back to help their dad, to help their father. And for those of you that are going to be listening, a lot of times um, there are people in your life that you've hurt. There's people that you might have put off to the side or forgot about. But, you know, God will dictate a time and place to where you're going to need help. And there are the ones that you've heard God will put in your life to turn around and uh, cause it to be a blessing to you um, mm-hmm. in order to bring you back to repentance, bring you back to humility for him. And his glory. Do you think Adrian's example through her stand for restoration in front of the kids helped them be ready for that day because she was showing to her kids that she loved you. She was waiting for you. She, do you think that that example played a role for that day of when you said I'm coming home? Um, I would think, I would think so because um, you're, you're judged not by what you say, you're judged by what you do. And many times we say a whole lot of things, but we do something contrary to what we're saying or contrary to what we're believing. So her to believe that God's going to do it for her to not just believe it, but then start actioning it out, start preparing, start taking the steps, start taking the strides for this to happen. The children can see that even though there might be, well, I don't know. I don't see it. It's been a year. It's been two years. I don't know, mom. And then all of a sudden to see it start to come to fruition, you can't help but not be on board uh, when something really begins to happen. And, you know, that freight train begins going down the tracks. So it, it made a big difference. I believe so. I think that's awesome. Well, Sean, tell us um, a little bit about your ministry right now. And I know that you've got a podcast. And so I'm sure that some of the men that are listening are going to want to um, tune into your podcast. Is your podcast mainly ge- geared for men? Yes, it is. It is mainly geared for men. So um, okay. basically, my analytics tell me that um, 77% of uh, my listeners and watchers, because I'm also on YouTube as well, are men, but the rest are women. Because I always talk about is geared toward men and the ladies that love us. Because I do believe that sometimes women need to hear an understanding um, of a man's a man's perspective on a certain situation. And um, sometimes we can't, we have to see it through a different set of glasses, not our own lenses. And the only way you can really understand the man is to really listen to a perspective of a man to understand how that man feels when he's going through challenge of neglect or dealing with anxiety, especially men we normally don't share um, because we don't want to feel weak or inferior, um, especially with other men. So a lot of times um, we're strong for our wife, we're strong for our children. But the question is, um, outside of God, that direct relationship right here, you know, who do men talk to? And um, I do believe that there's, there should be an outlet where men can really have honest discussions to discuss uh, situations that we're, um, we deal with quietly behind closed doors in our car while driving to work that no one knows about, but um, we don't want to discuss it because we don't want to feel weaker and fairer. So, and the name of that podcast is called I'm Dealing With. It's one word. Okay. I'm Dealing With. Yes. And that okay. is on every uh, podcast platform except SoundCloud. It's the only one I'm not on yet. And um, I'm also on YouTube and I'm on every social media platform um, at I'm Dealing With. 
Okay. That'll be a great resource for the men and, and the women who are listening and doing that. And we know that God has got big plans for your family, for your ministry, for your marriage. And um, I, I would just ask all of you that are listening to keep Sean and Adrian in your prayers as they're walking through this journey of restoration um, as their family with their children, you know, you have young adult children now, and so they're choosing mates and moving on. And like I said, when I got married, you know, my parents' separation and divorce impacted my marriage and how I chose a mate, how we fight, how we choose to, you know, decide that we're going to stick it out. Right. And that's now an example that you've given to your kids. You would never choose the hardship, but through it, you know, God could, they could see God do so many wonderful things. But what an example that you're giving their children now Mm -hmm. at the end. And they may have seen the past, but they've seen God in the midst of it all. And, and you're choosing to go God's way Mm -hmm. and and not the world's way. It's amazing. And that's, we want an annual married with another person. Mm -hmm. And so many people give up on that and it's not, don't ever give up. Never give yes. up on your covenant spouse. Don't give right. That's we right, would sure. love to have you pray for each one, if you don't mind. Sean, if you will pray for the prodigals, and if uh, Adrian, if you will pray for the uh, standards that are praying for their spouses, we would uh, love you to do that. Because you're right there, and you've been there recently, and no. We'll do. All right, I'll go ahead and start. Um, Father God, we just thank you for this time we've had, Father God, in your name, Lord Jesus. And you know that there's more out there that are just standing on your word. They're standing, God, for their marriages, Father God. We just pray that you bring them increase in their faith. You bring them increase in their strength. God, you get the glory from this, Father God. And let them know, God, that as long as they are lining up with you, God, you have it taken care of. Let their faith increase. Let their trust increase in you, Father God. Lord, let them know you're a loving God, a God that cares, a God that is here to restore. And they could just stand on your word, God. Give them the courage, Father God. Put people in their paths, Father God, just like Rejoice Marriage Ministries that can speak into their lives, Lord Jesus, that they, Lord, do not stop standing, Lord, that they know their purpose, oh God, because it's greater than anything, Father God, we can ever think and or imagine, Father God, you said for such a time, if we suffer a little while, Father God, you will come back, you will set the ground on uh, solid ground, Father God, on the foundation on solid ground, and you would make it right, Father God. And so we thank you, and we're believing for the other standards, Father God, that their blessings, Father God, that their restoration, Father God, the reconciliation is around the corner. And we ask that their faith, Father God, does not waver. We ask, Father God, that you just strengthen them, even those who thought they were going to quit today. Don't quit. Keep Keep lying on the God. Go to him. Strengthen that relationship with him. Let him know that you are who you are and come to him with a sincere heart. And God, you, we know you will do it for them, God. And we just thank you for purposing them for such a time as this, God. You have a greater will. We pray that you get the glory. Continue the hope. Continue the peace. Cover them in your covenant peace and love, Father God. Let them love that that prodigal, Father God, can feel it, even with them in or out of the home, God. So we thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you, God, that they can continue to flourish and continue to go stronger and continue to go further, God. And so we just leave these prodigals and standards, Father God, in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Father, we just thank you right now. We come before you. In the name of Jesus, we ask that these men and women 
who are prodigals that are out there that are just going through a rough patch, trying to figure it out. I ask that you would touch their heartstrings, the very thing that is important to them, and get their attention, that you would just bring them in, Lord, to see your love and your care, your candor, and how much you care for them, how much you love them, how much you want them to be winners, how much you want them to live according to your will, how much that you've called them, that there is a purpose on their life, no matter where they are, doesn't matter if they're in their slums and the the houses. It doesn't matter if they're on skid row or on drugs. We ask God that you would just bring them back to the fold. God, you said in your word, other sheep I have that are not of this fold, but I will gather. And God, I would ask that you would gather these in, that you would just touch their minds, that you would touch their hearts, that you would just cover them in your blood. Let them, oh God, let them just be covered under your blood. So that way, when the enemy comes over, that all he can see is the blood, the blood of Jesus. We ask that you would just take over, that you would take full control right now. And we call all these things as done in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us, you guys. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.